Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit for plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. Welcome to Courtney Beyond the Cake. Stories that inspire, uplift, and fill your soul with joy, much like cake. He was the face behind the mask, the mask of the most popular college mascot in 2017, thanks to a dance he performed as Cosmo the Cougar with his school's dance team that went viral, getting over seven and a half million views. It was an unforgettable moment and one that Charlie Bird said made him feel invincible. But behind the mask, Charlie always wondered, if they knew who I really was, would they hate me? Because Charlie wasn't just wearing the mask of a mascot. He was also masking another part of his life, a part of who he is. Charlie spent years feeling ashamed and embarrassed for his sexual orientation, but knew deep down that coming out as a gay active member of a Christian religion would be a vital lifeline for so many who struggle in silence and feel alone, much like he did for so many years. Today on Courtney Beyond the Cake, Charlie talks all things cake, dancing, Cosmo, and then tells us about his new book, Without the Mask, and why it's the book he wished he would have had growing up. Welcome back, friends. I'm thrilled to have Charlie with me today. Last week, we made cake, and this was, I guess, when the episode airs, it'll have been a couple weeks ago, but you may have caught our video uh, on Instagram. It's on IGTV, and Charlie came over and we made cake together. It was so fun. I had a blast. It was like one of the best days of my life. <laughs> I had so much fun. Okay. I'm glad you think that as well, because I don't know if I was just like totally fangirling over the fact that we got to like dance and do like a cougarette moment and that I got to, I got to meet you. I got to meet Cosmo. Oh my gosh. I went home and I, I, I talked about you for like four hours with my roommates and they're like, okay, we get that you love Courtney, but like, <laughs> I need to go to bed. And I'm like, no, but you don't understand. It was so fun. <laughs> I feel like it's just a match made in heaven. So this I'm so excited about because it was really fun to make cake and we got to know you a little bit in that video. And this will just give us an opportunity to fall in love with you even more. So, okay. You're no stranger to buttercream. And that's why the cake making thing just worked out so great. I'm curious though, cause I didn't ask you this while we were making cake. Was there anything you learned? Yeah. I mean, in the video, we talked about how I'm not really a baker. I'm kind of like self-conscious about my baking skills. So like making the cake with you was so cool. I learned that a stick of butter is a half cup. <laughs> that was... Wait, is that right? Yes, that yes. Like good to know. <laughs> she looks at me. She's like, oh no, what have I gotten myself into? Um, I'd also never used the acrylic disc and it like makes the lines so clean and yeah. it was pretty easy. Yeah. I, that's awesome. You good. have great products. Thank you. Thank you. That was, it was really Am fun. I allowed to plug your products um, on your please. podcast? You guys, I didn't tell him to do that, but I will take all the plugs. They're Really good. I can get. You can buy those over at shop.cakebycourtney.com. Ding, <laughs> ding. But we do need to talk about the fact that the reason you're no stranger to buttercream is that you used to decorate cakes growing up and for a job. So how did that come about? Tell me about that. Yeah, my senior year of high school, I was taking AP calculus and physics, and I just had a loaded. I, I, I tried to like take on as much as possible in high school. And then I was like, oh no, I took on too much. Well, and I was like, I need just kind of a blow off class. Okay. And cake decorating, cake decorating was offered and I just took it. 
And I was like, oh, this will be fine. And then after the first cake, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really good at this. Wait a second. It was offered as a course in high school for yeah, you? Yeah, it was uh, with like the home ec department. Get out of town. Yeah, it was honestly, is really amazing. Huge blessing to me. Um, the first cake I made was a vulture. Because I, I kind of went in kind of as a joke. I was like, I'm going to make like this hideous vulture as a cake. And then I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it looks really good. Um, so I was trying to, I wanted to go on a church mission trip and I was like raising money for that. Yeah. And uh, I went to the, the really only bakery in my hometown. I'm from a really small town in Missouri and send in my application. I was like, hey, I decorate cakes. And they were like, you decorate cakes. So I was like, yes, I do. Um, but I, I told this to you, it's, so it's in the video. I don't want to be a broken record. But one day their cake decorator quit and they had 27 orders with no one to fill them. And so they just, I left them my number. And so they called me and they were like, hello, random kid. Yeah. <laughs> Please come decorate our cakes. And I, I did. And I just kept the job after that. Yeah. And you did 27 cakes. I did 27 cakes. Uh-huh. They weren't all exactly on time, but it was kind of cool. Like I just, I mobilized like the donut team. I was like, Hey, donut ladies, like start like getting a base layer of icing. Yeah. And then we just kind of created a factory line and then. Amazing. So fun. how long did you do that? Was that through the rest of high school? How long was that? Um, yeah, I probably worked in that bakery for about two years on and off. I would come home for a summer and just go back to it. So why do you think cake just clicked with you? It's limitless. You can really do anything with a cake. It can taste like anything. It can look like anything like ingredients. I, I just think it's so fun that you can like completely use your imagination to create something that doesn't have any bounds. I, that is a beautiful explanation of that. You grew up though, like playing basketball and you were into sports, hiking. Um, what did your family think when all of a sudden you kind of introduced this new passion into your life? I think my family wasn't too surprised. I've always been creative and like loved artsy things mm -hmm. and I was in show choir. So okay. it was like kind of that style of creativity. Um, I, I was, I was honestly really self-conscious about it. Like with other people, like on my sports teams and friends at school, I was like, I don't know if it's like cool to do cakes. Cause it's kind of like a girly thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it is, but like in our society, that's kind of how it's viewed. So yeah, I was embarrassed. And honestly, I, sometimes I would like hide at the bakery. If really? people I knew came in, I would just like duck behind the counter. Cause I'm in like an apron making flowers with icing. And I was like, I don't want people to know. So your friends and your teammates school. never knew? Or um, when did you tell them? Some of them did. I, I was a lot more open with girls. Okay. Just Cause it just felt less like mm -hmm. judgment there. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure people knew, but I just, I don't, a lot of it was probably self-inflicted mm -hmm. if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, and just like feeling social pressure that may or may not have been there. But yeah, I, w I was like embarrassed by it. It's kind of sad. Did you ever get past that while you were in high school? Um, not really in high school. I mean, after I graduated high school and then I ended up going on that mission trip yeah. for my church and just kind of like got more world experience mm -hmm. and kind of grew into myself. And now I'm at the point where I'm not ashamed of what I like. Yeah. You know? Good. Yeah. Good. You shouldn't be. Cakes Especially are awesome. Cool. <laughs> yes. Cakes are awesome. Did you come from a family that liked to bake and be in the kitchen? Like, was there any influence from your parents or your, your siblings? Yeah, I think so. So my mom's like a wonderful cook and she would bake. She um, was, my parents got divorced when I was 14. So she was kind of like single mom mm -hmm. through high school. And so kind of less of that as she was like trying to juggle work and kids yeah. and everything. Um, but yeah, aunts, grandparents, like they're just always baking we used to do like big Sunday get togethers with the whole extended family and everyone would bring a different treat every time. And yeah, but I, I took it more of like, I'm going to make things beautiful mm -hmm. angle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were some of your other passions though, growing up? 
Let's see. I love music. I've always loved music. I took piano lessons all growing up. So in, in like poetry, I would mm-hmm. write songs and just like just anything creative. I love like taking what's inside of me and trying to manifest that in some sort of art form. Yeah. And so, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm telling you this because I never tell anyone what? that I write tell, songs. Tell me, tell so me. I've, like, Wait, you write songs? Yeah, like I write songs and I would write poems and like I tried to write a book one summer when I was like in eighth grade and I oh just gosh. love words. Yeah. I, I love how you can like take a feeling or capture an emotion or a thought and present it in a way that connects with someone mm-hmm. and can like open their worldview or change their mind or just like be entertaining. Well, that makes so much sense because your words and your book, and we'll talk more about Charlie's book in a little bit called Without the Mask. Your words are so eloquent. You're such a great writer and you've been doing it Thank since you. you were young. After you're doing cakes and you're in high school, you go off to Brigham Young University, BYU, and you end up as Cosmo the Cougar. You were you were one of the, the Cosmos for a couple of years at BYU. Yeah, yeah. There's kind of like tiers. Cosmo does so many events. I think my senior year, we did like 680 events. What? And a lot of times they're simultaneous. So we just kind of have like a little crew, like a little team. And we just like divvy out to our strengths. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like behind the scenes. I'm thinking of the basketball court. You're down one of the tunnels and there's a couple of Cosmos back there? Uh, No, we like we would just switch out usually at a half. Oh, okay. Okay. So how tell us this whole experience. Like how did that come about? So I actually just saw a flyer my freshman year. I saw this flyer that said, can you dance? And I was like, yes. I was like, (laughs) can you do flips? And I was like, yeah, I do that too. Uh, I guess I should have said that. Like I I was talking about words, but like, I also was like, uh, like a closeted cheerleader all through high school. Like I was taught also, by the way, I was just like weird kid with a trampoline. And probably too much time brave, sometimes. Yeah. Brave kid with a trampoline. <laughs> so, yeah. And I've just always loved dancing. I don't know. I guess it's just like anything that is beautiful. I yeah, love. I just, yeah. I love beauty. I like that. <laughs> Me too. And like flipping and like movement is just Okay. So, so you had the background. Did you take formal dance classes ever? No. You just, Mm-mm. you just, okay. You, again, you guys have to go back and watch the video <laughs> because Charlie just has like that natural move, dancer movement. And you'll know that because you'll see me right next to Charlie in that dance video. You did good. And and I don't have that now. I try really, really hard, but it was fun. You know, I screen recorded and watched it in slow motion to see how your lines were. Stop it. How were they? <laughs> they were good. Were they okay? You did a really good job. I was also in a dress. I'd come from a golf tournament with Weston. <laughs> so I was like, oh, might need to put on my hip hop clothes next time when we do it again. So you had no formal training either. And you'd look at this flyer and you say, oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, the tryouts were in like two hours. And I was like, I'm going to scramble and go. So I scrambled. I went and got a physical because like I needed one. And then I just like show up and I tried out. So this was when I was like freshman year okay. um, before a mission trip. Yeah. Because that's like a two year block of mm-hmm. life. And I, I like did well. Uh, so tryouts are very like. Yeah. What are those like? They're like grueling uh-huh. because to be Cosmo, you have to have just, a, you have to be really in shape, yeah. right? Cause you can't really breathe in the mask and it's hot and you have to like have really good spatial awareness cause there's limited visibility. So a lot of it, like for the first two hours, they just like try to ruin your body to see if you can like handle the physical demands. Oh wow, like boot camp style? Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's like a ton of like sprints and runs and handstands and pushups and pull-ups and just all of that. And then when you're tired, that's when tryouts actually begin. Cause like, can you still tumble well after you want to like pass out? Yeah. Right. And so it just kind of like weeds out people who aren't in shape. And my, at that point in time, my flipping was like, okay, Yeah. but I was in really good shape. So I like performed well enough to just kind of like 
I just never left. Yeah. I, I was like, I know when you guys are practicing and I know where. So like, here I am. I'm just, gonna I'm just be not going to leave. Um, yeah. And then went on my mission, came back, kind of the same thing happened. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really like stellar or standout at the tryout, but I was good enough and I just never left. Well, I thought it was interesting in your book. You mentioned that you kind of held back a little bit. Why? Totally. So I've my whole life and I mean, I, I grew up in a conservative small town in a conservative church. Mm -hmm. And so being gay, I was just always really self-conscious about the way I sat and what I said mm -hmm. and, and how I acted. And I hid behind the counter when I was yeah. making cakes. Yeah. I did not want anyone to make fun of me for being gay because because, you know, like somehow like. I don't know if bullies is the right word, but like things hurt worse when they're true. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's something I was ashamed of at the time. And so if people would like latch onto that as a joke, it would really, really hurt me. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I'm not gay, but, right. you know, and right. just get really defensive. And, um, Cosmo is, it's funny because most mascots are like, they just walk around <laughs> waving their arms. But Cosmo's like, cool. Like oh, his yeah. brand is like, I am what you want to be. Oh yeah. Right? No, he's the coolest mascot yeah. out there. And and like girls like fall all over him mm -hmm. and like, you know, I don't know. Am I allowed to say this? Yeah. I don't know. One time a girl put her number like down my pants. No. While I was in the cosmos. No. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. She's very forward. But he just has like always done these really cool flips and you guys do the dunk team and then the dancing. And anyway, he is like a jack of all trades yeah, out it's, there. It's very masculine though. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And so I was worried that like at tryouts, I would look too feminine yeah. and too gay to, to be like seriously considered for mm -hmm. the role. Mm -hmm. Cause it, it's almost kind of like, like an odd, it is an audition, yeah. you know, and you're auditioning to see if, if you are a good match for his character. Mm -hmm. And so I held a lot back and there's a dance section and like, I'm, I, you know, I'm like a little worm, like <laughs> <laughs> you've got good movement. <laughs> I got my hip movements and stuff. And I was like, I know how to dance and I was excited for it. Mm -hmm. But as the tryout went on, I was so worried about looking too gay mm -hmm. that I was like, I'm just going to like be like a brute dancer. And I was like, I'll show that I have rhythm, but I'm not going to like go for it, you know? And so, yeah, I, I, I didn't make it. There was nothing really to like set me apart from the other candidates. Um, but I still was in shape. So I was well enough to like, he might have potential. Let's keep him around. Yeah. So what do you mean keep you around? Um, I just started working. Like I would wash the suits and move the trailer and clean things and just like help out and go to appearances. And mm -hmm. I was like, just like free labor. Like I really wanted to be there. Like I wanted it so bad. And I was like, I'm just going to never leave and work so hard that like they have to put me on from like sheer determination. So after that tryout where you're feeling like, okay, I can't show them everything about me. I can't go all out. Did you have any regrets at that point? Yeah, I think all the time, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it was a mix of regret and kind of like sadness for, oh, yeah, I bet. um, for like how I, well, looking, it's easier to look at things like retrospectively, mm -hmm. right? So, so looking back to a couple of years ago, I'm sad that like, that is the pressure I felt yeah. from the culture around me and whether it was like the culture's fault mm -hmm. or whether it was my own projections, I'm yeah. just sad that that situation kind of like unfolded like that. Right. But also it was good because I was able to like put in work and like kind of prove myself. Mm -hmm. And then that time allowed me to get close to some of the other guys and kind of feel a little bit more confident in myself around them Yeah, and just kind of open up little by little. Yeah. You talked about that talking um, in the book that you like went into this group. Um, you had like the dunk team guys, right. And the, everyone who's involved with Cosmo and it felt very disconnected and clickish. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. Well, and I just felt stupid kind of, cause I was like, I'm this dude who learned how to do a backflip in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And I'm like in this realm of nationally ranked gymnasts. And I was like, Oh, I'm so far out of my league, <laughs> you know? Um, and it took a while for me to like, a, just be comfortable in my own skin mm-hmm. and like what I had to offer. Yeah. And I think, you know what, I'm going to go on a little tangent right here Please. because I think we compare so much. Oh yeah. And like, I wish that, especially like with our bodies and our talents and our abilities, we could realize that diversity is so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, and like on the Cosmo team, like our, our bodies were different. Our skill sets were different, but it allowed for like diverse movements mm-hmm. and like we could like Cosmo could do more. Right. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. more of us had different things. And so like everyone always wants to be the same and compare themselves, but like individuality is so beautiful and like we need people with different thoughts and different experiences and different ideas and sometimes it kind of seems like we're in an echo chamber where everyone has to be the same or look a certain way or have a certain aesthetic but like oh we don't need that once we learned who each other were Mm -hmm. and and then it almost became this thing like we we would like create stunts and stuff Mm -hmm. and it's like well who's going to do the stunt And there was no jealousy. We're like, he should do the stunt because he's going to be so good at this. And like, we want him to succeed because we're all on the same team. How did you guys get to that point though? Because you go in and you had the guys who had been on the team for a little bit, you had the newbies and it felt a little bit disconnected. Was there a turning point that really, I mean, brought you guys together? Cause those guys are some of your best friends now. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're like brothers now. Um, we just, we had a couple of practices where we didn't practice at all. We just talked Mm. and we just shared you know, I, I think you kind of match people's emotions and what they're going through. So if, if one person started sharing more like intimate things mm-hmm. about their life and their struggles, and it kind of opened this, this space where kind of like anything goes and we're all together. Mm-hmm. And we realized we had a lot of commonalities and that even though like we were different or might've had different like views mm-hmm. that we were all just really doing the best we could to like live a good life and add positivity to the world. And, um, so I, I, that day I was started talking about my parents' divorce and, mm-hmm. and somehow like in a BYU, like Christian religious community, divorce is taboo still. So I, I kind of brought that to the table and I found out that two of the other guys on the team had been through very similar mm-hmm. experiences in the same time frame. And you just kind of connect, you know, when you lean into someone, yeah. you find like commonalities and, and, and more of like a humanness. And so that's what happened. And then like, once that clicked, we, we were like rearranging our schedules so we could spend more time together. That's so cool. And like take the same classes and like it became like this like tribe, this band of like just brotherhood. brotherhood. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's just such a great experience that you'll now have for the rest of your life. Yeah. There kind of was a shift in, in the next year when I started dancing and like I was like, okay, guys, so I'm a really good dancer <laughs> and I'm going to show you now, you know, and and then so it was funny because I was like the worst, least talented, quote unquote, mm-hmm. one at the beginning. And then, then later, like a year and a half later, I'm the one that's getting all the national media attention. Mm-hmm. And, and there was no jealousy. Like everyone was just really happy that our program was like moving so well that we were like making waves. And that yeah. was, I think that's like priceless, yeah. you know? So if you guys don't know, there is this video of Cosmo with the Cougarettes. It's BYU versus Boise State. Um, and it went viral. I mean, over seven and a half million views on YouTube for this one video. And you were the Cosmo. You were the Cosmo. the Cosmo that went viral. How did you finally get into the suit and start dancing? 
Yeah, I was just I was just a little creep on the sidelines watching the cougarettes. Yeah, I don't know exactly where it came from, but one time they they did like a, a performance and I was like, I'm pretty sure I could do that. And I was like, I'm Cosmo, I can be a cougarette. I was like, this like weird like obsession slash dream that I've had for a while. I was like, I think I could make this reality. So I just presented my idea to the coaches and just like didn't hold anything back when I tried out. Yeah. And, and then they invited you on the court how much practicing, like what was the plan there? Um, it was, it was pretty, uh, there was not much practice. I, I think I went in twice and just like ran it over with them a couple times. Oh my gosh. That's how good you are. They, they just clicks that quickly. <laughs> well, it's also how good they are. Yeah. Cause like, and I, I was really nervous cause you can't see in the suit. Yeah. And I was like, if I'm in the wrong spot, it's going to be a disaster, but they're really good at like moving to mm-hmm. like, they just, they know where they're at. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's so good. You guys have got to watch it. We can link it in the show notes too, but tell me a little bit about that experience. That was a big moment. The crowd, the dance, like everyone went wild. What were you thinking? I don't remember it. I just remember like this surreal, like blurry mix of music and like sweat and movement. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Cosmo's not allowed to crowd surf, but like I couldn't help it. Cause I just went to the, the student section right after. And yeah. I was like, did I do it? What happened? It just, it happened so fast and it was so loud. Mm-hmm. And like my senses were overwhelmed. Yeah. And then they just like picked me up and were like throwing me around the stadium. And I was like, I hope they don't drop me, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so cool. It was surreal. And to like, feel that like valued, it was, it was like, it was so like almost humbling to be like the apex of everyone's fandom. Mm-hmm. Cause like in that moment I represented like a legacy yeah. and a school and a, a religion kind of, yeah. and like everything came together and culminated in that moment where I got to be the piece. You were the connection piece to everyone. They were all cheering and they were excited about a single thing. And that was you and the Cougarettes and that moment, like right. that's gotta be a pretty powerful, empowering moment. It was so moving. Mm-hmm. And I, I gained a lot of confidence from that, yeah. you know, cause that was me being me. Like that was me being Cosmo, but that was Charlie, yeah. you know, yeah. that's Charlie who wants to be the Cougarette and that's yeah. Charlie who dances in the mirror. And like, yeah. that's that I was like uninhibited, holding nothing back. But you're behind a mask. You know, okay. There is the, you know, the relation obviously to the book, but, uh, I've always wondered, like, does anyone know that you're Cosmo? Are you like, how secretive do you have to be about being Cosmo? Yeah. You're secretive. It's, there's not like a formal contract, but it's just kind of like, like a handshake. Don't tell anyone until after you graduate type of thing. And like, obviously like the congrats knew and some of the cheer squad knows just from like being in that athletics realm. Um, but other than that, yeah, nobody really knew. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of have that little piece of you that you're like, this uh-huh. is just mine for right now. And I'll tell people later. Yeah. Were there any really hard moments? I mean, it sounds like it was a lot of fun and physically it was hard, but anything that was really tough about that experience? Yeah. I think it, it's really interesting that this idea of wearing a mask because the hard moments came in, in my personal life. Mm-hmm. So I, I was very aware that I was gay mm-hmm. and I was very aware that that wasn't like really cool Mm -hmm. with a lot of people. So I had this, this one moment, um, where I I was like playing with this kid playing football, passing it back and forth in the concession stand. And his parents were talking about how, how uh, Cosmo was his role model. I was in the suit yeah, and, uh, they were like, he has a poster of you. Like, thanks for, thanks for being a role model for our boy. He wants to be just like you. And I was, I was very aware of the fact that the night before I hadn't slept at all. Like I was just having panic attacks all night and I was so worried because I'm gay. And, and in this like 
Christian religious conservative culture that I'm in, I, I just felt very misunderstood. And I felt, um, at times kind of like I wasn't safe there. And so I, I was hiding a lot of myself and it was so interesting to me that the same community who loves me when I wear this one mask is the reason I have to wear this other mask and just like pretend to be something I'm not. And that, that like juxtaposition really weighed heavily on me. Oh yeah. And, and, and it felt weird. It, It almost, um, it almost made me feel detached, you know, because I'm like, when I'm Cosmo, people love me. Yeah. But when I'm not Cosmo, if they knew who I really was, would I be completely rejected? Yeah. You know? Charlie, that's that's a lot to carry. Like, and you carried it for a long time because you, in your book, you explained that you knew you were gay early on. Like you, you knew and you tried to fight it. You tried yeah. to hide it. You would tell yourself you didn't like it and, uh, and beat yourself up a lot. Yeah. How, how did you get past that? I, I've always been like very strategic. And so I, I tried basically everything and I would kind of go in phases where I'm like, well, for the next couple of weeks or for the next couple of months, I'm going to attack it this way mm-hmm. and see if that works and kind of reassess then. And, uh, I, I used like all of like my skills and the good things about me, like my determination and, and things that are are really helpful. But, but I put them in this like conduit that led to like emotional damage. Yeah. And so, like you said, like I did psychological, psychological exercises and I prayed and I fasted and I begged God to change me and I hid and, and I ran away from gay people and I just did everything I could to, to escape myself. And, um, I, I didn't really start changing until this, this one moment when, when I finally just, I realized that I'd only like, I have a lot of faith and and I grew up believing in God. And I, I came to this moment where I realized that I'd never actually asked God who I was, you know, I'd asked him to change me. I begged him. And, and I thought that that's what he would want, you know, cause, cause how could God possibly love a gay person? That, that was my mindset. And then I was like, why don't I just ask God if he can love a gay person? Like, why don't I, I come to him and quit hiding and pretending and lying to my heavenly father and just say, you know what? This is who I am. Like, mm-hmm. should I accept it? Is this actually always going to be part of me? Should I stop fighting it? Do you accept it? Like, and, and where do I go from here? And so I had this really, really beautiful moment that kind of became a fulcrum of my life where it went from, I'm going to be somebody I'm not to mm-hmm. I'm going to be me and, and just move forward in faith that like being me is enough. Yeah. But I completely related to your feelings and to your experience and to wanting to just feel loved for who I am. And, and the idea that we were created on purpose because I'm like, yes, if everyone could have that feeling and know that they are, are here for a reason, they are here with purpose I mean, think about all the crazy good things we could do. Yeah, and and it made me want to connect with people yeah. rather than hide myself. I was like, okay, I I can I can be positive. I can be good. I can and I can like grow. Yeah, like add growth to the world. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna stop hiding this. I'm gonna reach out because you know maybe there's there's a little 14 year old Charlie who who hates himself and is struggling with with suicidal ideation and just like wishing that you told me, by the way, the rates for suicide among gay 
children or was it the gay yeah, community? So, what was it? Because it was crazy high. Yeah. Um, it, well, the figure I was talking to you about was from the Trevor Project, which is a like mm-hmm. LGBTQ suicide hotline. And um, they just did it like a big national survey and found that one supportive adult in like an LGBTQ person's life reduces the risk of suicide by 40%. Wow. Just having one person who says, I see you, I mm-hmm. love you. 40% drop in suicide attempt. That's incredible. It's a, it's a huge figure. And you had a few people in your life because you've got a pretty awesome family. Yeah, I'm so impressed with them because they could have looked at all the ways that me being gay affected them. And, and it's easy. Like, I get that. Like, okay, like, what is our family going to think? What's the church community going to think? Like, what are we going to do with you? How are we going to fix you? How are we going to change you? And like, it's easy to like get muddled in that like fear-based mindset. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I mean, I don't judge anyone who does that because I lived like that for yeah. a long time. Yeah. But they, it, it was so cool to see them just like cut through all that and transcend it and, and like just see Charlie. Mm-hmm. And they didn't see like the societal fear of being gay or any of that. They were just like, this is my brother. This is my son. And this is Charlie. And because they were able to kind of like drown out all those visceral reactions, they just met me with love. And we kind of like communed at this level of, of here I am like exposing my most shame filled secret. Mm -hmm. And they took it and they didn't shame me. They just said, I I love you. Like, no, like Charlie, please know that there is nothing you could ever do or think or be that would inhibit my ability to love you. And then after that, they were like, what do you need from me? And that was cool. Cause like, they, they weren't like, okay, how are we going to fix this? What are we going right, to do? What's, right. what's your next step? Because like, I was freaking out about all that stuff anyway. For right? years. Yeah. They were just like, how can I support you? Like, I'll be flexible. I'll, I'll be graceful. And, and please be patient with me as I try to do this. But, but tell me where you need me and that's where I'm going to fit. And if that changes, tell me again. That's so cool. What did you think? Were you expecting that kind of reaction from them? Um. See, that's hard, especially looking back. I was really scared to tell them. I don't think I was really that worried about outright rejection, but I had seen a lot of that in my community. So that was definitely like at the forefront of my mind. I was mostly worried about relationships changing, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I I didn't want there to be any type of like awkwardness or, you know? Yeah. Um, Because, you know, these are people I care about and I I didn't want to like ruin a good thing that we had going it's interesting though, but by, by being vulnerable and sharing that our relationships grew like exponentially. How did that play a part, their reaction, um, to you coming out? How did that play a part to you writing an article for the desert news coming out and then writing this book? Yeah. So I, I watch people, I'm, I try to be observant and I got to a place after I graduated where I was really confident in who I was. I was like, I'm out to everyone who needs to know. And I just feel good. I was living my life. I moved to New York. I was really happy. And I never planned on telling anyone I was Cosmo ever because it was really fun. Yeah. It was the cool secret. And I also didn't really see the need to come out publicly because I was just like, who cares? Yeah. Right. But I kept watching and I was watching people in, in like my situation And I was just seeing so many people struggle and I went a long time without a role model or an example or like a point of reference. And I was just kind of waiting for one. I was like, someone, someone will, will get this and, and just like be a voice of, of reason and of health. And, um, 
but, but it wasn't happening. And, and I was, I was very aware of the fact that like I had a family who accepted me and I had people in my life who just dropped everything and were willing to just give me love and support. But I had friends that didn't have the same thing. And, and they were like, I had a friend who was asked not to come home for Christmas after he came out. And, and I was like, Oh, like, Oh, and just these things weighed so heavily on me. And, and I just kept seeing these two sides where people stay in their church and they, they lie about who they are and they hate themselves or people like accept who they are, which I think is beautiful and healthy, but then feel like they have to reject their belief set. Mm -hmm. And then it just like leads to like some unhealthy coping mechanisms sometimes. And I was like, really like, why does one have to be without the other? Why can't they be together? I was so overwhelmed because, because the way I feel, and maybe everyone doesn't feel like this, but to me, like my faith and my orientation have to exist in me. And I have to like, hold on to both of those or else I'm losing a piece of like me. Um, and so I was just like, you know, I I was talking to my sister and, and we were both crying. We were like, this, this has to stop like this suicide, this depression, these, Mm -hmm. these unhealthy coping mechanisms. It it was just so overwhelming to me. And she says, do you have, do you have any platforms you could leverage to make yourself visible? And I was like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, well, actually (laughs) like, like who would have ever thought that being Cosmo would like turn into a platform for gay advocacy. I never could have made that connection. Don't you love when you can look back and you're like, those things happen for a reason. And I needed that door to open this door and then that door. Yeah. And you're like, this is, this is just, Oh, yeah. I I saw it clearly. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I don't want to be a poster child. I don't want anyone to look at me and be like, Oh, that's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I do think our community needs someone who, who's like, you know, and I had the community's trust. Like we were just talking about how in that moment, everyone like came together in the celebration of like, I don't want to say me, but like I was the person that was like that crowned that moment. And I was like, I have a level of trust for my community that, that maybe they'll listen, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe they won't be scared and they'll kind of lean into this discomfort a little bit. And yeah, so I wrote an article about wearing two masks, kind of the the juxtaposition I just told you about. And then as soon as it was out, I was like, I I have to, I'm going to write the book that I didn't have. What did that feel like that moment when it gets published and you know, it's out there and you like, what did that feel like for you? It's like when you're making a cake. (laughs) Good analogy. I already like where this is headed. And you know, like you do like the last, Mm -hmm. uh, you get the straight edge and you do the last scrape and it's just like done. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. It it was just like, you know what? I I did what I needed to do. And like, if people fall out of my life, I I hope they don't, but like, it's, it's not my fault. It's nothing I did. And like, here's who I am. And yeah. And you're kind of nervous before you do the last swipe because Mm -hmm. like, what if I screw this up? And I got to do it again. What if I don't have a good side? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when it's done, it's like, I I was capable. I did this and I feel good and I'm confident. And like, here's my cake. You can eat some if you want, you know? Yeah. There's some peace to that moment. Um, so then how did that segue into a full book? Um, yeah, the, the, public response to my article, I, I figured it'd be kind of a big deal. Cause like, yeah. Gay. yeah. Well, you're a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and that's a Christian religion. Yeah. And so, yeah, there is going to be some, some buzz about that article. Right. It's kind of like a paradox and mm-hmm. it's not really like a, a common thing for people to like sit in that space. Yeah. And so I knew there would be a little bit of buzz. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be that wild. Like the article 
like went like nationally, yep. like it just was crazy. And then I was doing all these interviews and talking to people. So a good positive response, would you say from that article? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously there's negative with everything. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. didn't look at it though. Good I, was like, for I, don't, you. I don't need negativity in my nope. life. Um, but yeah, overwhelmingly positive. And I was actually really surprised by that. Yeah. I was like the, this church community is, is willing, they're listening. And I was like, you know what? I, I have a like I have a platform, I have a, an ability to like reach out to these people who still feel like I felt five years ago and I'm going to do everything I can. And so I, you know, part of it was duty. I felt like I had a duty to mm-hmm. speak out, but then a lot of it was just desire, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I think that's a really beautiful thing about overcoming experiences. And I, I wouldn't say I'm done overcoming with right. this, you know, this is a, a continual <clears throat> like learning process, but I was like, if I can give what I have learned, to someone else and try to help them along on their journey, whatever it may look like. Yes. Like it just feels good to give back. And like I said, create positivity. The book is just, it's a great, beautiful message for anyone. I truly believe it's a book for anyone. Um, I talked about it with my son who's 11 and a half. He, he didn't read it, but I shared some just really great messages and I was underlining and highlighting things in the book. Um, I just found myself wanting to highlight so much of it because it's just a great message for anyone. So if you, if you are gay and you need to figure out how to come out and tell people and find support, or you're a family member or a friend, but then also if you're just struggling with other things personally, and you can't find your place in the world, like this book is meant for you too. Yeah. It's kind of a book about belonging. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Learning how to just be you and, and let that be enough. What do you hope for this book? Um, you know, I, I'm a little selfish in the way that I hope that the little me's out there have access to the book. I mm-hmm. like, I, I love the thought of like educating the community, but it, it just like fills me with so much joy thinking about like a 14 year old kid who just yeah. realized he was attracted to men or women, like just, yeah. you know, like, and them having a resource that they can have and, and, you know, coming out scary and, and there's like, groups and there's organizations that kind of like act as resources, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's hard to like come forward to that. So I I just want something that can go to them and just help them figure out their own life. And I just, I want people to be emotionally healthy and happy. Yeah. My, my like ideal scenario would be that like a parent purchases this book just Mm -hmm. out of curiosity. And then they have an LGBTQ child who finds it and like reads it and then feels safe, you know? Yeah. Like that would be so cool. I hope that happens. And I feel like it <laughs> It will, probably you know? will. And at least it will open up uh, the door to communication for parents and friends and kids just to have, the, and so that the kids are, are like willing to communicate and feel like they're in a safe place, but then also to just be able to include and to have that sense of inclusion, whether they're gay or not, that exactly. they know that we're all God's children. He loves all of us. He created all of us. You know, and so then there's not that gap between our relationships anymore. Yeah, I hope it it helps people be more intentional about their language. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting because like being gay is a minority status that can be like hidden. Mm -hmm. And like for for years I'd passed as straight and I Mm -hmm. was pretty good at it, right? Yeah. And but but because of that, like people would say things or do things that I was very aware of that were really hurtful to me. And I hope that people can just be a little bit more intentional about the words they use and the way they approach this topic. So people who are closeted, which you really never know, yeah, um, can just feel more safe and comfortable. And then when they, when they are ready to like bring that to light, they have a, a, a space where they can do that and that it can be like 
a growing, you know, like connective experience rather than um, just distancing. You are absolutely inspiring and incredible and fun and happy and joyful and full of light. Tell us where we can get the book, where we can follow you, support you. Yeah, you can get the book. Um, It'll be online. It's on Amazon. It's on DeseretBook.com. I think um, in in Utah, it'll be a Deseret book and like certain other bookstores. Okay. I don't really know, honestly. But like, I feel like we just, I mean, it's, it's, we're in a pandemic. So like order online probably, right? (laughs) That's probably like the easiest option. Um, I hope, I hope it's easy to find. It's called Without the Mask by Charlie Bird. Yeah. And Charlie Bird on Instagram, right? Mr. Charlie Mr. Bird, Charlie Bird yeah. on Instagram. The book a just gentleman. came out. Yes, I like that. <laughs> Mr. Charlie Bird. The book just was released on Monday, July 27th. So now you can find it on all those places. You guys go read it. You'll feel inspired. Um, Charlie, thank you. Thank you for sharing your heart with us. Thank you. Uh, you're, you're amazing. I'm so grateful to be here. That's Courtney's the real deal, everyone. Oh, she really is. <laughs> so, so is Charlie. All right, you guys. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next week. Thanks, friends, for tuning in today. For show notes and other episodes of Courtney Beyond the Cake, head to cakebycourtney.com forward slash podcast. And for all things cake, remember, you can find me over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Cake by Courtney. And for all my recipes, products, information about my online classes, just head to cakebycourtney.com. The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. This is Derek's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. After the third time jump-starting my car, I finally realized my battery was dying. So I stopped by O'Reilly to have it checked. They tested it right there in the parking lot. It was bad, real bad. But they helped me find the right battery for my car and even installed it for free. Now my car starts like new. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.